exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down I'm C.J. Layton coming to you from inside the Phantom Radio Studios in Lake Wales, Florida home of the premier radio bowling talk show. Long ago, Bowler's Journal International called Phantom Radio a pioneer in the field of bowling podcasts because the show was regularly scheduled at the same time each week. The late Kegel owner, the great John Davis, told Len Nicholson to start this program because, quote, people need to know what you know, end quote. This PBA and bowling writer Hall of Famer has now recorded over 1,200 shows and has featured over 425 guests since 2002. 20 years plus of bowling knowledge, story sharing, and true expertise. Phantom, we need to know what you know. So Phantom fans, here's your host, Len Nicholson, The Phantom. Well, thank you, CJ. And a reminder that Phantom Radio is presented by the Cable Company. Well, Phantom fans, for those of you who follow our show, you realize that this year we are paying tribute to several past PBA and PWBA stars. And when we started this program back in 2002, we promised to never forget the past and or its history of our great sport. And this week will be no exception. We're going to be interviewing and talking again to a great friend, and he has an amazing story. And we're going to be taking three shows to tell you a little bit about him and relive a piece of history in this great sport. So, Phantom fans, here's my good friend, Dave Bowles. Hello, Dave, and welcome back to Phantom Radio. Hello, Len. Uh, it's, uh, I'm flattered to be uh mentioned when you said stars of the PBA. I uh, always kept myself humble. It's great to be on again. Well, you are a humble guy. and you, As I mentioned, you have a piece of history that will never be duplicated again. And I was fortunate enough to be there to see it. And, and I'll tell you what, it's happened a long time ago. We're going to be talking about it over the course of the next three weeks. But I got the chills in my arm every time I think about it. And, and I want our listeners to get to know you. Uh, a little bit better than you already do. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions uh, from when you first got started in bowling. And, and please give me some either one word or one sentence or two sentence answers because I got a whole lot of questions. We got three weeks, but that's not enough time because your story mm -hmm. is unbelievable. So are you ready for this, Pards? Yes, sir, Pards. <laughs> All right, we're going to start from the beginning. When was it that you first started bowling and you picked up a ball and you were at the bowling alley? Got invited to a friend's birthday party when I was around eight years old. Didn't realize it at the time, but my very first memory goes back to, I'm thinking I'm about four years old. My dad had gone to bowl league. He'd forgotten his wallet, and my mother had to run, the, run his wallet out to him. Four years old, I can barely see over the, the wall up on the concourse, but I saw my dad playing bowling for the first time. It's, a, it's an image that always stuck with me. I bring this up because I lost my dad a few weeks ago, and he's the reason why I bowl. 
So, yeah, eight years old, birthday party. I first joined the league when I was 10. Wow. So, you know, I know you did lose your dad a few weeks ago. And, in fact, we were going to do the show a couple of weeks ago, but uh, you were hanging around with your mom a lot because you guys have always been a very close family. And I was very fortunate to meet him and her. We're going to talk about him again before this is over because not only was he instrumental in, in helping you become a human being, but also teaching you how to bowl at an early age. When your outstanding feat happened, uh, he came into the picture again, which is just ironic. It's an unbelievable coincidence. But we're going to be talking yeah. about him and, and your mom, Virginia, and the whole nine yards. But I want to get back to this thing because I got – so many questions for you, I can't stand it because there's some things I don't even know. So I gotta find out myself. So was your dad your first coach? Do you think? Uh, absolutely, yeah. You know, just going bowling and uh, <laughs> a lot of people don't know this. We, I've had a perfect game, which you know most of us at this level have. I actually bowled a game when I was a little kid, and I, I, I bowled zero for the whole game, and I was so frustrated. <laughs> I can't do this. And I was bowling with my dad, and he was like, all right, come on, you know, hey, it's all right, you know, keep going, and which has always been my motto, you know, just press on, and there's good and bad and all. So, so you say you were like eight years old at that time, correct? Were you the original yeah. two-hander, or how'd you bowl? <laughs> we didn't know two-handed bowling existed back then. Everybody used their thumbs. I tell that to the kids today. <laughs> I got it. A couple of things that I need to talk about before we get going too far. Uh, I don't want to forget one of our sponsors. Uh, he's a great player also, and, and you and him have a lot in common. One of our newest sponsors is uh, Glenn Allison, and he bowled in 900 also, which we're going to be talking about. But I have a special announcement to make, so get your pens and pencils ready because here's a chance to get a one-of-a-kind souvenir. It's a brand-new Glenn Allison 900 shirt, and I want you to enjoy a discount from Phantom Radio. This 900 shirt has an image of Glenn on it, and it says, 900, I did it. So call his friend and manager, Jerry Hale, to order it at 714-309-7587. And be the first in your area to get this historic souvenir. So call Jerry again at... 714-309-7587, and be sure to mention Phantom Radio for your discount. All right, well, I'm sure you've been compared to Glenn in a lot of ways over the years, uh, <laughs> in different circumstances, but before we get to that point, uh, I still want to find out some more about when you were young. So at about what age were you when you became, let's say, pretty good, and you started bowling uh, competitive tournaments, did you? Correct, yes. Um, I remember uh, I got my first Columbia yellow dot. My ball started curving. I, I started throwing more strikes. I was 15 years old. And uh, I'll tie this in. This is kind of more of those uh, unusual facts, you know, going up, growing up through life. Um gentleman by the name of, of Lee Renner was uh, one of the managers at McHenry Bowl in Modesto, California, where I grew up. And he had formed a junior Central California Bowlers Tournament Club, JCCB, as we know it by, which was like a junior version of PCCB, Professional Central California. 
one notch below PBA regional, but your nine to five guys could go be weekend warriors and, you know, make a buck. And they had a junior version of that. And Mr. Renner invited me to go try that. Uh, ironically, uh, Lee Renner is uh, Jeremy Renner, the actor's father. That's a small world. So prior to joining the PBA, you did bowl some of those uh, uh, scratch tournaments against your peers. How about uh, any high rollers or hoinky tournaments, anything at that level? I went from the, I had, I had some local success in the tournament clubs, a couple more uh, sprouted and was able to win a few tournaments. So I got, it got the taste of, you know, success when it kept driving me. And then I went and bowled collegiate uh, at the university of Arizona in Tucson, Arizona. There's another one of our connections when did that for a couple of years. And then, uh, you know, had, had a great experience, really enjoyed the team experience. Yeah, that's kind of another ironic thing, coincidence, you might want to call it. Uh, I moved to Arizona, and then I saw you down there one time. And, uh, in fact, <laughs> I had a ring I wanted to sell. And I'll never forget this. I asked my son, who lived there, if he knew any jewelers. And he said, no, he didn't know any. And then I saw you, and I I just happened to drop a hint about this ring. I said, do you, do you know any jewelers down here? Oh, yeah. We went right over to this guy. You knew him for a long time. I don't know how much time you spent in Arizona, but he lived there, and you knew more people than he did. That was great. <laughs> so, okay. They also had another organization in the Bay Area called the PCCB, which was, you know, another step one below probably the PBA. Uh, did you bowl in that also? I did. Um, probably bowled, I'd say, less than 10 events. Um, the second one I bowled, I actually finished runner-up. So, like I said, there again, having some success. Uh, kept driving me to be better. I, I, I never aspired to be, you know, uh, anything. I was just like, hey, just go as far as you can and see how good you are. How about at that level? I know you probably graduated past your dad's training. Uh, did you have any professional coaching at that point? Yes, actually, very influential in my youth. Um, we had bowling camps held at McKinley Bowl in Modesto, California, where I grew up by Dick Ritger, who anybody that knows your bowling history, a phenomenal bowler. You've got plenty of stories that you shared with me on how good he was on the tour, uh, but, it, but an amazing teacher. I credit all of my my basics that I have worked into my game from Mr. Ritker and the six summers of camps that I went to in my youth. Wow. When I got involved with Kegel, we started doing some tournaments around the world, and I was fortunate enough to go to a few places, and every time we'd see some uh, good bowlers from another country, uh, I'd say, where'd you get your coaching? Well, Dick Ritker went to his camp. All around the world, he was well-known. What a great player he was, and, and what a great coach. Um, which reminds me, uh, how did you get involved at, at Lodi, uh, the bowling center over there? 1985, my father was about to retire from Farmers Insurance, where he had been a district manager for 33 years. Uh, this bowling center in Lodi, California, was for sale. Uh, uh, hey. And uh, Lee Renner, who I mentioned earlier, uh, partnered up and bought into the center. I remember, I think it was your dad, maybe your mom, I'm not really sure, contacted me. They wanted me to come over and take a look at the lanes. And so I did. 
and uh, you know they needed a little bit of work. Your dad said to me, he says, why don't you take a look at my son? He wants to be a pro bowler. Well, I had worked on the tour for a long time, and you know I'd seen them all come and go, and I went down, I looked at you, and I thought, oh my God, what, there's nothing I can do. This guy's great. You know, I'd, I'd never seen you before that I knew of. Your dad said, what do you think? I said, I think he needs somebody better than me to coach him. So I, I told him, I said, there's a guy named Sam Baca who is one of the greatest coaches I ever saw. I learned a whole lot from Sam. And so uh, I guess he, well, let me, you, I'm going to ask you because I'm not really sure. Did, did he contact Sam or did you contact Sam? Uh, how, how did that work out? Well, it's interesting. You and I first met, and I think I hadn't finished my college. And, you know, my dad gave me, a, like, a great, you know, goal. He said, finish your college, and then you can bowl. And he says, I'll back you. I'll support you. So I finished my uh, degree and uh, in 1988. <laughs> I'll tie this in as fast. <laughs> One of our mutual friends reached out to me. He had just received his college degree. And he came to me and he says, I want to, I want to bowl the regionals, PBA. If we bowl and we cash twice, we can bowl the national tour. We can bowl two events. I'm like, I'm in. Let's do it. This is our, this is our friend, Doug Chase. <laughs> our lives uh, took incredibly different paths after that. Uh, our friend Doug has done very well for himself. Uh, he's a financial genius. But uh, we did that. And uh, that was 88. Uh, had no success on the tour. In fact, you... I felt like a 190 bowler in a scratch league where everybody else was 220. I was nowhere near as good as these guys. I'm like, wow, I got to go home and get better. And so, you know, there again, a driving force. In early 1989 uh, was when I first uh, dabbled on the tour. And it, it was just, halfway through that year, I actually reached out to you and I said, Lenny, I said, I need to get better. And you said, all right, Sam Baca, go see him. <laughs> yeah, Sam was unbelievable. He's still around and he's still field phone calls from people that want to get better and it's kind of funny that uh, that's another reason why you're such a humble guy you admitted that you went out there and you weren't ready but so many guys from all around the country that they, they average 220 at home and they go out on the tour and they get beat up pretty bad because those guys out there are unbelievable i mean <laughs> you know one of the biggest differences between a, a good league bowler and a, and a PBA player is it, it's not too hard if you become pretty good at home. You, you bowl three games on a pair and you get used to that pair. Well, on the tour, you got to change lanes every game. And I'll tell you what, that's what separates the men from the boys. But that we're looking at the in 1989. Now you worked out with Sam. About how many times did you get together with Sam? We actually started working out. Uh, on a regular basis, uh, the winter and the summer tour had ended in 1989. Reached out to Sam, who was working at Pacific Avenue Bowl in Stockton, California, where, ironically, I now run the pro shop, and I'm actually standing as we do this interview. Sam and I met. This is, this is where you I have to say guys that have excelled, women too, excuse me, have put in their time and a, a very disciplined way, but they would get the results from it. So I met Sam at 7 a.m. at Pacific Avenue Bowl two to three times a week for a month. Now, at that age, you know, get up at 7 a.m., yeah, get your brain going, this, that, get your body going. The benefits from that were un unlike any other time period in my, in my life. 
uh, just the, put in my time and I got the results. Well, is there anything in particular that you remember that he taught you? Uh, I'm sure it was many, many things, but I remember several things he told me. They're going to stick there forever. So was there anything that was really influential that he taught you? We were in 1989, a few years into a, you and I, I guess we call it, and the people in the industry would call it the urethane era. I had grew up throwing a plastic ball with no weight block and really had to manipulate the ball with my hand. And at that time, I was able to get my tilt, my axis tilt to about 80 degrees. Well, these urethane balls didn't need that kind of a release. So we started where I was kind of cupping my wrist at the bottom of my swing and then kind of uncoiling it as I let go of it. Kind of a, like a yo-yo effect. That was the one thing that Sam taught me that really, really changed the success that, that followed. Yeah, another thing that I want to point out that uh, you mentioned uh, Doug Chase. Uh, there was a lot of good competition in the Bay Area when you were growing up. I know that for a fact. In fact, I, I got to meet all those guys at Cal that uh, you mentioned, uh, Doug, and there was Ted Gladkey, Ricky Corona. You know, I mean, you guys, the, the competition you had around there was unreal. But in that yep. period of time, uh, were you bowling any action at all? Uh, did they have pot games? at Lodi or anywhere around the Bay Area that you would go uh, to, to hone your skills? I would tell you that I really cut my teeth competitively bowling the junior tournaments before I went to college. You mentioned those names, uh, other PBA champions, Dennis Horan, Dave Arnold, both won on the tour, but they were both in that circle that we were, we were bowling into each other. Um, we, the, the the pool of women that came through in that time, I'll, I'll throw some names out, and you'll be like, whoa, Linda Barnes, Wendy McPherson, Dee Dee Davidson, Kim Terrell, they, they were just, how many of those ladies are in the Hall of Fame? We just had this, this core of bowlers that were so good. It was just like this cool time, and I'm like, wow, they're really good. Uh, I, you know, I guess they say if you hang around with you know people at a higher level, it does sort of rub off on you or inspire you, however you want to look at it. Yeah, uh, you know, there was another name there that I'm not sure that it was in your time frame, but uh, she was a gal that could bowl with the men. Uh, Leanne Barrett, remember her? I, 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 I did, Leanne, yeah, she stayed in the Northern California area until I think she was 13 and then moved to Oklahoma. And there's another success story, Garrett Dickinson from the tour worked with her and she morphed into you know, Hall of Fame caliber bowler. Just a great game. And yeah, sure. Her roots are in Northern California too. Yeah. Uh, she could she could bowl, I'm telling you. In fact, uh, there's two women. Uh, I know there's several of them, and I don't want to get controversial, but uh, two of the women that I've always said that could bowl with the men were Leanne and Lisa Wagner. I don't know if you ever ran into Lisa Ronald in your travels, but uh, she could definitely bowl with the men. All right. So we're up. Up to the point in time where you're bowling in the regionals now, basically. You tried the tour a little bit. So you went back down into the regionals, let's say somewhere around the uh, middle part of uh, 89, correct? I bowled, I actually bowled a few regionals starting in middle, the middle of 1988. Okay, cool. So what, what about the high roller? I, I mentioned that. Did you ever bowl that? I actually didn't bowl my very first high roller until 
after tour, which uh, ironically, the one thing I remember about that reactive balls had come out and going back to my, my excessive side tilt that I used to have back then, those balls either went 50 feet or they went sideways for me. And I was, bowling, this is probably night, mid, mid, mid to late nineties. And I was bowling that and all the guys I knew for tour, they go, wow, you're throwing the ball better than ever. And I said, yeah, I said, I can't make these balls strike. These, they're just, <laughs> when they hook, it's like, whoa. But that was, that was another uh, transformation I had to make in my game to go from uh, those reactive balls with the big weight blocks. All right. Well, I've always talked about uh, things I've learned. I was fortunate to be on the tour and I learned from Baca and, and, and Fred Borden and, and John Jowdy, all those great coaches that would come along. Uh, I'd listen in and, and steal all the tricks I could from all these guys. And it, it boiled down to three things. You know, you got to have a good physical game. You got to have a good mental game. You got to know equipment. Uh, besides knowing lane conditions, that comes with experience. I'm sure your dad got you stri- started with uh, a good physical game because you had a beautiful physical game. Thank you. Um, yeah. How about uh, the mental game? Did, did anybody ever teach you about the mental game, or or did you just learn that on your own? Yeah, um, definitely give my dad it, dad credit there. Um, his words were, you know, you, you can be in any situation, and if you know if things aren't going your way, stop yourself for a second or two and ask yourself, what's the big deal? And I always uh, tried to, you know, apply that to any situation. And yeah, it's it's yeah. The busier, the more stressful, the more hectic. It's like, hey, you know, you're put in that situation, you get through it, deal with, it, take care of it. So, yeah, that's that's been my philosophy, just about life, plus and including bowling. Well, you always had a good attitude. I know that. That I don't think you ever got fined for any kind of conduct. Uh, <laughs> you were always calm, cool, and collected. As a matter of fact, in the last show, I'm going to talk about that a little bit, but. <laughs> that was an unbelievable experience. I'll never forget it. Uh, but, you know, the equipment part, I know now you're involved in a pro shop. So uh, where's that at? And what's going on with all that? I've been involved in the pro shop here in Stockton, California, at Pacific Avenue Bowl now for 14 years. Um, got here in 08. We've morphed it into a superstore right now. If you're ever in the area, please stop by. My philosophy is a pro shop operator, and I hope this comes through the right way. Anybody that walks through this door, if I'm going to do this job, I should be able to help them at, at whatever level, and and that's what I right, that's my what I strive to do. I'm telling you what, uh, I had a dentist down there in, uh, in in Stockton, and I would stop by and see you every once in a while. In fact, yep. you you bought a bunch of books off me, and every time I stopped by to see you, I never could talk to you because the place was full. I'm talking about. <laughs> You being on the phone, you're drilling a ball, you're selling this and that. In fact, uh, I remember one day even being in there, Wayne Webb walked in. He was trying to learn some stuff from you. I have <laughs> a picture. I have a picture of that. Yeah, what are the odds of the timing of you two from different parts of the world stopping by here? <laughs> well, you do a good job. I know that. And uh, give us that address in case anybody's in the area. Uh, come thing. by and see you. So it's Pacific Avenue Bowl. 5939 Pacific Avenue, Stockton, California. The push-up number is 209-478-2695. Yeah, if you're in the area and you just want to stop by and say hi, check out the equipment, shoes. We, we're trying to keep up with uh, the challenges of the market right now. And actually, right at the moment, we're doing a decent job. 
Yeah, it's a tough market right now with all that pandemic and all that kind of stuff going on. But, uh, well, we've got you from uh, being a little boy up until you being in the pro shop. Uh, we've covered the first part of your life that we wanted to talk about. So is there anything that you want to mention about you know your days of the of the olden days? Uh, no, just uh, I'll, I'll, I do remember I did bowl my first 300. Uh, I was 16 years old in 1980. And looking back, kind of a nice feather in your cap because bowling was a different scoring environment back then. I remember the, I remember the the pride, the happiness of uh, sharing that with my folks. They were just they were just thrilled. I actually had a perfect game uh, bowling league with my dad. Who I'm going to get the year about four years ago, and my mother was there watching. So there's another, you know, just just the thrill of, you know, obviously it's it's, it's cool when it happens, but you do it in front of your parents and you see how happy and proud they are. It's, it just adds to it. Yeah, for sure, Pards. Well, listen, uh, we're going to have you back on next week. We're going to talk a little bit about your regional uh, experiences and all that kind of stuff, and uh, we're going <laughs> to slowly sneak up on the history that you made. That was an unbelievable time, and I'm going to be getting a hold of you during the week. So we're going to have part two next week. So you ready for that? Yes, sir. All right, parts. Well, good job, and uh, Phantom fans, Joe Flock on the Wall tells me that we're out of time, and I look forward to talking to all of you again next week when Dave will be back for part two of this three-part series. And we want to thank our sponsors, Storm Bowling and Brad Edelman from the High Roller, and Dave Kowalski, the bowling guru from Michigan. And I want to congratulate him for being inducted into the Coaches Hall of Fame for Michigan. And up there, they got a great junior program with about 7,000 junior bowlers. So, Dave, thanks again. We'll talk and to you during the week. And Phantom fans, and you need some love and care. And nothing. Oh, nothing is going right Close your eyes and think of me And soon I